For those of you that follow the news, Clive and Bundy should be a name that sounds familiar. That Nevada rancher taking his stand for his cattle, for his land, standing up against big government, made headline news for several days, and became sort of a cult hero for the far right and for libertarians and for those of us that are constitutionalists. Some of the big government progressive Republicans, they didn't like him, and of course the left wing, they didn't care for him at all. But he became a tremendous, uh, really a, a, a central firebrand for people to rally around. But recently, quotes of his that were brought to light by the New York Times have been charged as being racist. And if ever there was a case of people abandoning ship, it has been in the last several days with Clive and Bundy. Bundy. A fellow who was once a hero, now a racist. A fellow who once stood for the little man against big government, now is some sort of hayseed hick that hates black people and hates Mexicans and hates everybody that's not his skin color. But the fact of the matter is, that's the news media pushing that. And for far, far, far too long, we have allowed racism in the United States of America really to be a bully. Anytime you stand up and try to state what's obvious, anytime you try to stand up and try to state what's clear, anytime you try to stand up and state the facts, if the facts go contrary to the party line, the easiest way to shut you up is to call you a racist. Now, I'm going to make a few points about this whole situation. If you haven't read up on it, you ought to. Drudge, The Blaze, Breitbart, other places, Slate. You can find information. Some slanted to the left, some slanted to the right, some trying to be right in the middle. But I want to make a few statements to you uh, about Clive and Bundy and race relations and Christians. First of all, a vast majority of people have never and will never take the time to read the man's words in context and in their entirety. If you were to go down on your job tomorrow and you were to talk to 10 people and these 10 people knew somewhat vaguely about the Clive Bundy case, I would be willing to bet you that the vast majority of those 10 people would immediately react in fear and in negativity because the man's a racist. Not based upon what they have read. Not based upon their own Uh, investigation, but based upon media sound bites that shape what most non-thinkers think. It it should be, it is a biblical principle, and it should be common sense principle not to rush to judgment until a matter is heard and weighed and thoroughly thought out. But the reality of the matter is that most people don't even do that. Uh, We get and we believe and we get our information through sound bites, through selective readings and selective quotes and selective contexts, and then we make bold, general statements about situations that we really very often don't know as much as we think we know. I mean, we saw that in the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin case. Before George Zimmerman was ever tried, before the facts were ever brought out, he was lamb-blasted in the news. He was smeared, he was called a murderer, he was called a racist, he was called everything that you possibly could. As the facts began to come out, there was some question uh, as to really what happened. There was some confusion, there was some doubt, but it was too late. The things that had already been said had stuck. And that man 
uh, kind of person he is or not will never, ever, ever be able to undo what was done to him in the media and in pop culture. Now, it's a funny thing to me how that the supposed love and understanding crowd only gives love and understanding one way. And I think this is often true in Christian circles. And I, I know I'm pivoting here a little bit from, from current events to Christian events. But it's a funny thing to me in the Christian world that, you know, if you're a little bit liberal, if you're a little bit off, if you're, if, if you're a little bit not maybe where you should be in the evangelical camp, that's okay. As long as you're educated, as long as your intentions are good, as long as you're really, really nice and really, really sweet and really, really loving and probably successful, then we're going to give you a break on all that stuff. It's not the same. If you're a little bit too harsh or maybe a little bit too rough or maybe your language is a little bit coarse or maybe you're a little bit too passionate about something, uh, we're not going to give you any break. It's sort of a one-way road. And that's the way it is in this particular case. Most people will never and have never read the entire transcript of what Clive and Bundy said. And I'm going to go on record right now and say that what he said is absolutely controversial, but I don't think it's wrong. And the two are not synonymous. And that's the kind of baby culture that we live in. That's the kind of, you know, let's play a soccer game and not keep score, manby-pamby kind of a culture that we live in. If something's controversial, it must be wrong. No, it's just controversial. If something's rough and hard to be said, it must be wrong. No, it's just rough and hard. Not everything can be sugar-coated. Not everything can be sweet. And sometimes tough things have to be said, and sometimes tough things have to be said in a tough way. But just because something is tough, said in a tough way, doesn't make it wrong. I'll give you another point. Counter-racism has become a bully that does not allow intelligent, honest facing of the issues. There is a distinct, vicious, intentional counter-racism that goes on in our culture today. Counter-racism has become a bully. If you don't toe the party line, if you don't say what is expected, if you don't correct, you're going to be as being racist, and you are going to be treated and bullied and pushed around. And because of that fear, we're, we're unwilling in many instances to deal with the facts as they are. We cower. We're afraid of being called a bigot, prejudiced, racist. What do you hate black people? What do you hate homosexuals? What do you hate this? Why, why do you hate all these people? It's not a matter of hate. It's a matter of stating facts. For instance, modern white culture is made to feel ashamed and guilty and responsible for slavery. Well, okay, I guess to some degree I can understand that. How come the same amount of energy is not put into celebrating that it was the white culture in the United States of America that fought and shed its blood so that the black man could have free? You see, it's a one-way road. It, it is... Uh, hatred, vengeance, negativity, counter-racism against the white culture in the United States of America. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but in the North, there were a lot of young white boys who fought and died so that LeBron James can play basketball in freedom today. Now, that might not seem politically correct, but it is historically and morally true. Uh, it was William Wilberforce who fought the battle in England, slavery. And there have been a lot of white men and white women and white churches and white cultural groups that have stood up for black man's freedom. Now, it's only fair and it's only justice to note that with the same energy that we do 
the fact that it was a white man that enslaved the black man in the United States of America. Uh, many times today, white culture is made to feel ashamed and made to feel guilty of every ill and dilemma that confronts a modern black man. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's not white culture that is to blame for the current issues in the black culture and communities. I mean, you can try to blame all you want uh, the current condition of the black communities on the white man, but it's, it's just not true. Uh, uh, white people are not coming into the communities making young black girls have children out of wedlock about 70 You see, the culture today is counter-racism, and it bullies you. As you search, there was a family that was robbed. They had a home invasion. A man, his wife, three baby girls at home at night. They were robbed at gunpoint, and uh, it was a traumatic experience. Two different local news media organizations came to interview him, possibly more, but two that I know of. They ran the story on the late local news. In both instances, on the TV and in the paper, the one glaring fact that would have been necessary to help find these men were left out. And that was, it was five black males. Now, if it was five white males, it should have been announced. So we can find them. If it was five Asian, five Hispanic, uh, five uh, South American. But why didn't they run that it was five black males? Why didn't they do that? That's the news. That's the facts as they are. They didn't do it because they don't want to buck the system. They want to be politically correct. The fact of the matter is, vast majority of black crime is perpetrated by other blacks. Black-on-black crime is one of the biggest issues in the United States of America, and nobody's dealing with it. I mean, when the Trayvon Martin... Uh, George Zimmerman case came out. You know, all the basketball players wore their hoods. All the stars wore their little hoodies. Everybody ran around. And listen, it's a tragic thing that that young man was shot and killed. It's a tragic thing that a mama and a daddy lost their son. It's a tragic thing that George Zimmerman went through what he went through. It's a mess all around. It, it stinks to high heaven all around. But the fact of the matter is, the reality of the matter is, all the marching and all the problems and all the issues between that George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, why don't they do that for their own black-on-black crime, which is, which is exorbitantly higher than anything that is going on between a white man and a black man. The greatest number of deaths among black people are not because whites and blacks are fighting. It's not because hordes of white men are driving through the black communities killing or hanging and lynching. Those days are long gone. If you're a black man in the United States of America today, you need to be afraid of other black men. Now, I'm sorry if that sounds racist. That's just the facts. The facts of the matter are that there's a massively high rate of out-of-wedlock pregnancies, abortions, jailed men, splintered families. None of these things are allowed to be discussed or talked about. And if you bring them up, you are considered to be racist. I'm sorry. You call me whatever you want to call me. But if there is going to be any hope for the black community or the white community or any other community, it's going to be high time that we start speaking the truth. When you read the full statement of Clive and Bundy, he nowhere says in his statement that slavery was better than the condition that black man is in now. He nowhere states that. But what he does state is that I wonder how free they actually are. 
I mean, yeah, we, we supposedly say that they're free, but are they? Millions of young black men in jail, millions of young black babies being born to homes with no father, no stability. I mean, are they truly freer? Truly? It's a legitimate question asked by a legitimate man. But the reason that question can't be asked and the reason the issues can't be dealt with is because it's easier to hold other people responsible for your own faults than to look at the man in the mirror. It's easier to blame white America. It's easier to blame slavery in the 1860s. It's easier to blame everybody else but yourself. The fact is, any balanced scholarly search of the true civil war and slavery history is denied. Facts aren't permitted because there is already in place a template of how things were, regardless of what honest research and study reveal. In other words, movies and biased liberal professors and classes and urban myths, those are what tell us about slavery and the Civil War and historical facts. Now, I have to say this perfunctory statement here, because if I don't, you always end up getting in trouble, right? But let me go ahead and make the statement. I am not condoning slavery. But what I am saying is that what you know of slavery, its reality, its context is far less shaped by historical fact than it is by Hollywood. And you know that's true. You ask the average person what they know about about slavery, what they know about civil war, what they know about the issues in the South, what they know about the war between the states, they won't be able to give you an accurate, intelligent, historical response. They'll give you uh, the latest you know, quote from... 12 Years a Slave, the movie that won the award. They'll give you some quote from some liberal professor. The truth of the matter is, black churches and communities and organizations are allowed to be racially and culturally exclusive. I'm talking about racism, counter-racism, bullyism, a double standard. Black churches and communities and organizations are allowed to be racially and culturally exclusive. That is not considered racism. But the same thing in white churches, communities, and organizations are considered racist. Racism is not the same as being more culturally comfortable with others of like culture. I had a friend tell me one time that he had a professor tell him that our churches need to be more diversified, that there's quote-unquote, quote-unquote, too many pasty white faces. And I said to him, I said, well, would he say that in a black church? When's the last time you've been in a black church and you've heard the black church pastor say, we need to be more racially diverse? No. There's nothing wrong with a black church. There's nothing wrong with black people or Hispanic or Asian or, or white being culturally comfortable. That is not a sin. But racism and its counter-racism and bullyism, it pushes us in a corner to be afraid of these kind of things. Now, the fact is, the modern progressive welfare philosophy, let me say that again, the modern progressive welfare philosophy has done more damage to the black culture in total than slavery did to the black culture in total. Now, I'm going to say that again so you can hear me very clearly. The modern progressive liberal welfare philosophy has done more damage to the black culture 
in total than slavery did to the black culture in total. You see, ladies and gentlemen, slavery took the black man's freedom. Progressivism and liberalism has taken the black man's soul. Children and grandchildren of those generations that were slaves, the offspring of those men fought for something they believed in. Their families had morals. They knew right from wrong. And even where we may disagree with some of their positions today, when you look around, the measure of the man that the black community looks to today pales in comparison to the measure of the man that the black community used to be able to look to. I mean, who are the heroes of the black community today? LeBron James, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Al Sharpton. These are not moral and great men. I don't agree with everything of Martin Luther King. I don't agree with everything of some of the older black leaders, but those men, I believe, to a great extent, were men of character, men that believed in what they were doing. Well, look around today. You've got rap, gangster culture, baby mamas, sports is God, street violence and bloodshed, abortion, no fathers in the home, communities in shambles, the blame game, self-loathing, I mean, what a hundred years of slavery cannot do to the soul of the black culture, progressivism and liberalism, welfare, in all of its total philosophy, has done in 40. The black culture coming out of slavery were a spiritual people. In general, were a godly people. In general, were a close-knit people. That cannot be said today. They are a people that have been divided and conquered, and used, and destroyed, and manipulated for the sake of political gain and bureaucratic power. The sad fact of the matter is that many national black leaders today are leeches upon the blood of their own people and communities. I was thinking about the time that the issue with Clive Bundy came out. And I think about the owner of the L.A. Clippers and the racial comments that he has made. Everybody's in an uproar. Everybody's mad, ready to storm out. The black, the, the, uh, black players, the L.A. Clippers, I believe even the white players, they, uh, they took their jerseys off and turned them inside out as a show of solidarity. I remember the basketball players as a show of solidarity uh, with, with Trayvon Martin. And yet Easter weekend, Easter weekend, Easter weekend in Chicago, there was absolute mayhem and bloodshed. Black men in cities are being killed by the thousands. Where's the show of solidarity there, Al? Oh, where's the marching in downtown Chicago, Jesse? Uh, President Obama had to make a statement about the L.A. Clippers. Why didn't you make a statement coming out of Easter Sunday about the bloodshed? See, it's, it's a selective anger. It's a selective justice. The true racists are many of these national black leaders. They don't care about their own people. They don't care about their own culture. They're not grieved about young black children growing up in broken, shattered homes. They're not grieved about that at all. It's about power and money and fame and control. They'll sit there 
And it's much easier to target Clive and Bundy, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly. It's much easier to get mad at them and to target them than it is to go back into your own community, to the own parties responsible, and take a stand with them and face and change the problems there. It's much easier, much easier to blame the white man. Much easier. The fact of the matter is... The black community has nowhere to look for its problems than the mirror. The same way that the white community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community, the same way that you and I or anybody else cannot spend our entire life blaming other people, looking at the faults of other people, using other people as an excuse. No, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I'll tell you, I believe that black, white, Hispanic, Asian, we've got to get to a point where we stop fearing being called racists and must speak the truth. Sin is sin regardless of color. Wrong is wrong. Black or white, red or yellow, purple or pink. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And I'll tell you that the real answer and the only hope is really found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's the key. As simplistic as that might sound to some ears, the vast majority of these problems would only be solved and will only be solved through a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a renewal of righteousness and the fear of God. In times gone past, where righteousness and the fear of God once dominated the black pulpits of America, there was power there was family, and there may have been struggle, but there was still moral and self-respect and purity and holiness. Now there is a charismatic prosperity gospel, a social injustice gospel. It has poisoned, and the average black community is poisoned. And the preachers don't stand up and do anything about it in many cases. And that's why black rappers can get up and talk about hoes, and bitches, and drugs, and alcohol, and fornication, and use the word, use the, the uh, call each other uh, uh, the N-word, and all the different things that they do. They can use all of that foul, nasty, violent, wicked, ugly, I mean ugly stuff, and then get up and receive their reward. And the first thing I want to say is I want to thank God. And I want to thank God. Where the fear of God and love of man once were the foundation of white communities, soccer games and coffee bars and Christian rockers in skinny pants is now the predominant side on the landscape. And I'm going to tell you something. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, the whole nation has gone morally corrupt. The whole nation has gone morally corrupt. Now, I really believe in my heart, as Christians, we need to speak truth. Somebody needs to speak truth to the black community. If they want to call you racist, let them call you racist. If they want to call you bigoted and prejudiced, let them, call, let them say what they want. But the fact of the matter is, the black community has nowhere to blame and nowhere to look but themselves. And it's high time that we start having leaders, both black and white, stand up and speak the truth. Because I believe in my heart 
And I don't want this to be the case. I don't think this is biblically right, and I don't want it to be the case. But I do believe there are silent groups on both sides waiting for opportunities of retaliation and bloodshed. If there's not a revival of true Christianity in the black community, if there's not a revival of true Christianity in the white community, there is a tremendous and a dangerous possibility that bad people will act and do bad things. I'll tell you something else. You keep pushing people in a corner long enough, and they're going to react. They're going to react. These knockout games, I, I, I know that some of them have been perpetrated by white males, but the vast majority of people involved in the knockout games, inner city, black youth. Drugs, violence, the rap culture, the home, the black home has been devastated, baby mamas, all that kind of garbage. My heart breaks for the black culture. My heart breaks for the white culture. My heart breaks for our country because we've become such a violent, narcissistic country. I'm going to tell you something. People reacted to what Clive and Bundy said. And the reason that they reacted so hard is because what he said is true. He might have been able to use more politically correct words. He, he might have been able to say it in a better way. But what he said was true. What he said was true. You drive through some of the communities and look at what's going on. How free is the black man today? How free is he? How free is that black child being born to that 16-year-old black girl? And that child is the sixth living in the ghetto. How free is that child? Physically free? Yes. Spiritually? Morally free? No. When I saw the uproar about Clive and Bundy, and when I heard everybody get upset and read the remarks, I thought about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 4. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Ladies and gentlemen, we need to speak the truth. And the truth is, the black com community, the black people, the black culture, it is not free. It is shackled by sin. It is shackled by self-loathing. It is shackled by blaming others and counter-racism and leeching leaders. And they need a revival. Just like the white community in its own way. Just like the Asian community. Speak the truth. Don't be afraid. Let them call you what they're going to call you. But speak the truth.